Welcome to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. Our mission is to grow the game with meaningful conversations with coaches from all over the world. Give us a shout out on Instagram or Twitter at ElevationBball1. And you can listen to all of our episodes of the Elevation Basketball Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify or Apple iTunes. Thank you for listening to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. And welcome back to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carver, and today is a very special episode, a little different from from our normal venture. I bring in today Matt Smith, who is the 2023 AAU Travel Exposure Coach for the Lady Volcanoes out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And Coach Smith asked me to talk to him a little bit about our transition basketball, our press offense most notably in that it is a little unique and a little different. Uh, so today we're going to talk press offense. So I welcome in coach Smith and uh, coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great coach. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. My friend, I appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate you reaching out to me. I know that, uh, uh, you know, it's th- that busy time of the year for high school coaches and it's for you guys as uh, AAU travel coaches, you're kind of just now getting your juices flowing for the upcoming season and, and things of that nature. So, um, I appreciate you reaching out today. Uh, I'm certainly not any by no means a self-proclaimed guru on press offense or anything, but I do think uh, that we do some things fairly unique uh, that are that are easy to, to mimic and, and very simplistic in what we do, but they uh, they make pressing us very difficult. Uh, so I appreciate you reaching out today. I'll be happy to go over that. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in, uh, you're probably going to only hear the audio, but Coach Smith's going to get to see the video uh, demonstration behind me on the uh, on the board. But I'll try to talk myself through it uh, as well as I can. So, Coach, if you have any questions at any time, feel free to jump in and, and ask away. And, matter of fact, the more questions you ask, the better. Uh, so right. that would be fantastic. And I do appreciate, again, you stopping by today. All right, will do. And thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to – to help me out, man. Nay, hey, it's no problem, brother. I've always that's that is the goal. A lot of people ask me times, you know, why do you do that podcast? My wife especially is like that podcast. What is that? And I'm like, look, it's my way of reaching out. It's my way of helping out basketball coaches and keeping myself in the game. And uh, anything I can do to help another basketball coach out, I'm willing to do. So I, again, I, I thank you for reaching out. Uh, but uh, let's get started uh, with a couple of things. First and foremost, about press offense. Uh, let me just say this. If your group on offense is physically just outmatched, you know, they're, the team you're playing against is so much better than you, it doesn't really matter what press offense you're in. You're probably going to struggle with it. Uh, but I feel like what has happened over the course of my tenure here at, at, at Inca High School where I coach is over the years I've had to go and get a younger point guard or a younger set of guards to kind of give me the the best ball handling mix uh, on my varsity basketball team. We haven't always had the the veteran senior laden backcourt. Typically in my situation, you'll look up and I'll have a group that stays with me for three years uh, and then I'll cycle in a new group. Uh, And it'll always typically start with a younger group coming through. That's where I'm at right now. I've got a younger group. I've got uh, three sophomores that play significantly in the backcourt. All three of them are on varsity at some point in time last year as freshmen. Uh, and to say there's not growing pains, that's ridiculous. There's growing pains. There, you know, there's, there's times when I look at what we do on the offensive end, especially with pressure, and I go, guys, if you were a year and a half older, this wouldn't be a problem. But the size and the age difference is, is certainly a factor, and it's going to bother you. Uh, 
if I put those same kids back on their age level, which I think is what you would have, Coach, uh, back on your own age level, uh, it, it, they would zip through this stuff pretty quick. Uh, but what I found out was, and it was contrary to what I had been taught and, and seen a lot of uh, when I was growing up early on in my coaching career and things of that nature, in that uh, the more people you bring up on offense to help handle the ball, the easier and the, the, the more likelihood of you getting trapped becomes uh, because you give the defense more of a weapon and you reduce the amount of floor space that you have on the offense to work. Uh, so a lot of people, young coaches, other coaches, they'll see what we're doing on the press offense and their knee-jerk reaction is, well, why do I, I need to bring these other back people up? And I'm like, well, you can. You most, most certainly you can bring them up. But the more you bring those back people up, the, the easier you make it on the defense to trap you and to suffocate you and to move you into spaces where you just don't have the real estate. Now, like I said, uh, if in my particular case, I run out there last year, a 5'7", 125-pound freshman, and, I'm, and he's going against a 6'3", you know, 175-pound senior, there's an, there's an innate certain thing that's going to happen, and that is the physicality is just going to wear us down eventually. Uh, and, and there's really not a whole lot we can do about it. What we're trying to do is minimize it. Uh, as much as we can. And like I said, when we get up against those better athletes, those superior athletes, those longer athletes, and all of a sudden the strength layer is not as big of a factor, I feel like what we do on the offensive end with our press offense really gives us an opportunity to, to be successful, uh, sort of lay, label, or excuse me, level the playing field, if you will, uh, because we do. We spray, we spray space you out so much on the defensive end that if you are rotating and trapping, you've got a long way to go to get there. Uh, and we can see it coming. It gives us longer time to make decisions. Uh, we can strategically uh, not be as pressured uh, because I've got, I've got everything so spread. Uh, and, and it really helps our younger kids make better decisions and not feel so stressed that they got to make a quick decision. So then the defense, in essence, relies on one level of pressure, and that is extreme ball pressure and length to be able to turn you over. Uh, and if that extreme ball pressure and length doesn't bother the person actually handling the ball that has the ball in their hands, then you can zip any press uh, with what I'm going to show you. Uh, and um, it's like I said, it's really a, a cool thing. And, and we kind of stumbled on it by accident. Uh, I, uh, I put it in probably 15, 18 years ago and I haven't backed off. Uh, I get some people question it sometimes because like, oh, you're turning the ball over. You got to bring it. And there are times late in ball game situations. I don't know. I'm making a scenario up here. 14, 15 seconds to go in the game and the other team's down two and they got to have the ball. Uh, so they're pressing the heck out of you. And they don't care really if you they're, they're trying to turn you over right there at the, at the point of attack. Uh, they'll bring people up and sell out just to get the steal. Yes. In those particular scenarios, you end up having to bring some extra people up. Uh, to to manipulate the situation. But in a standard, normal press offense situation, uh, the more people you bring up, the, the, the easier you make it on the defense to create trouble for you as an offensive player. Uh, so the first thing I'll tell you, and this is probably uh, the most ironic part of it, uh, is we don't necessarily put our second best ball handler out there with, to get the ball. Uh, because here's the thing, nine times out of 10, when we throw it in bounds, unless we're really quick with what we do, it's going to rotate back. And we want that ball to rotate back to our second best ball handler, not our third or fourth option. Uh, so what we do uh, is we traditionally, and, and I can change this. Can you see that, Coach, where I'm at here? Yeah, Coach, I can see that just fine. All right, so we usually put them here. 
Uh, and if there's your takeout man, uh, we put them in a situation like that. So what I'm showing coach is that we stack them or put them uh, at the elbows. Uh, and we've had the takeout man obviously on the same side, on one side of the floor. Uh, so that is the position A, number one. And I, I'd say you look at 99.9% .9 of the press offenses in America, they start with some form or fashion that setup. So that's nothing out of the ordinary. Where we differ and where we make the changes and where the magic, so to speak, happens is we take our back two people and we put them in the deep corners down there. Oh, wow. Uh, all the way down there. And that forces them to drop people back. Now, I've seen teams over the years that will just kind of say, we're going to gamble and we're going to put one back to guard two and we're going to go ahead and bring that fourth defender up uh, into the jump circle to help us. And, and you can see where we kind of have them outnumbered deep. If we cannot turn the ball over initially, then we have the advantage to throw the ball over the top uh, and get the ball long and down the floor. So by nature, what ends up generally speaking happening, uh, even if they do a, uh, the defense does a stacked alignment versus matching to our two deep corners, uh, even if they do that, they still have to get further down the floor. Uh, they still have to push down the floor, which opens up a gigantic box in the middle of the floor, uh, really from the top of the key almost to the top of the key on the other side of the floor is now open with no defenders in it. Uh, which gives us all kinds of space to operate in, all kinds of space to move into, uh, to ro rotate. Going back to my original point that the more people you bring up, the easier it is for you to be pressed and trapped. If I bring my two deep corner people up to the half court line extended, which is where traditional press offenses line their people up. Well, I've also, all I've done is bring the defense up into a situation where they've got the floor covered now. And I have no deep threat to throw over the top. All right. So now I've condensed the floor down and they have an advantage of five defenders out on the floor. And I've only got four offensive players initially uh, with my out of bounds man who obviously can't do anything but throw the ball in bounds. Yep. Uh, so that's why we take our two, uh, our two opposing, our last two offensive players, and we push them down to the deep corners. Uh, and sometimes if I really feel like that we might be at a disadvantage, I will let them go foul line extended uh, on the opposite end of the floor um, just to create depth, to create an open allotment in the middle of the floor. Uh, and then from there, what we do is we call what's called the X cuts. And we call this our X press offense, X being the key. So um, we will have this uh, ball side guard will come across and obviously set a screen and that guard will come open. The key to it is every other press offense wants to take the guard who set the screen, and they want to roll them out to the corners and get both offensive guards in the corners. Well, that's a spacing nightmare for the offense, uh, and really you've put those guards on an island. All right, so what we try to tell our guys is, is when the ball side guard comes across to set the screen, they're going to set that screen. The guard's going to roll as they normally would. Well, this guard's just going to turn and pin up right there, just like a post player would. They literally pin up and they post up just like a, a big old 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six center would, and they call for the ball in that post-up situation. We don't allow them to drift down to the corner and create a problem for us. Now, I should back up a little bit of a step. We're assuming at this point in time that the defense is more in a, in a generic press where they are going to play – on the inside and behind a little bit of the offensive players. They're not necessarily in a full front situation. I'll show you the adjustments that we'll make 
when they go full front here in just a second. And, and I think you'll be shocked when you see how easy this is as well. All right. Okay. Uh, so these guys come across, they set the screen. He rolls, this one turns and pins. Whichever way, and it makes no difference to us, and I'm going to talk to you about some teaching cues here in a second. Whichever way the inbounds man throws the ball, let's say he throws it into the, to the, uh, to the ball side corner, and you've got the offensive guard who was posting up at the elbow after he set the screen. All right, As that ball is in the air, and that being the key, as the ball is in the air, not once the offensive player has caught it, he is already starting his cut through the middle. All right, That ball is going to be thrown in right there. The person who threw the ball inbounds is going to step opposite and essentially replace the offensive player who was posting up, who is now cut through the middle. All right. Uh, so before I go any further, I want to say this. There's, there's, I don't care how much you teach it, how much you're as a defensive coach, you know it's coming and you scout it and you see it. Every human being on the face of this planet, they can't help it. It's like when somebody flashes their fingers at you, you're going to blink. Maybe Kobe Bryant might be the only exception to the people that would not blink when you flash something in his face really fast. The problem is, uh, especially with teenagers in high school, they're going to follow the ball with their eyes when they're on defense. There is a split second of time there where while that ball is traveling from the inbounds person to the guard in the corner, uh, where the defense is going to follow the ball with their eyes, maybe even turn their head for a split second. What we're trying to do is take advantage of that split second timing. So, again, while that ball is in the air, and we work at three-on-three three a lot, and we get really good at anticipating which person the inbounds man is going to throw the ball to. And while that ball is being in the air, and sometimes maybe even a split second first before the ball is being thrown, the, the opposite guard will flash through the middle. And they cut hard. And if I'm a defensive player and I see the ball being thrown to this corner, I'm taught to jump to the ball and see the ball. Well, while they're jumping to the ball and looking at the ball, I'm cutting behind them as fast and as hard as I can go. Yep. All right? So what we would hope is that we could catch the ball and immediately hit them on the cut through the middle. And now we've, within a split second, we've thrown the ball past three defenders. And now they're having to play catch up. They're having to play, you know, a, a, a track down, or a, you know, wolf coverage, you know, running behind it, trying to take it out of your hands. And we attack and we essentially would have a – a three-on-one or a three-on-two situation almost immediately. Yep. Uh, and uh, and that happens more times than you can ever shake a stick at. The problem gets into is when your kid on offense also stands and watches the ball being caught by the player in the corner, they've essentially lost that split second of timing that they have as an advantage. They have to cut immediately. They cannot wait on the ball to be caught. If, if – the offensive player catches it, then they start their cut. The defense will have time to react to it. Uh, so we really do a – we beat into our kid's head. While that ball's in the air, you're already cutting behind the defender. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes, depending on where they are, we have to remind our guys – in other words, we've done this to somebody three or four times. They get used to the fact that they're getting ready to get cut on defense. So instead of jumping to the ball, they'll turn and almost hug up on our guy that's going to cut. Well, so we teach our guys, if they turn and hug up on you and don't jump to the ball, then you have to try to cut over the top of their face. You can't allow them, because when they hug up and you try to cut, then you'll end up bowing that thing out really wide and it won't, you won't, you'll never be open and you'll never be an option. And what we also tell our guys is, 
if you if he hugs up and you can get to the inside, you're always going to be open. It may not look like it, and we have to work it a lot in three-on-three three to teach our guys that get the ball in bounds. When they're cutting, if that defender's on the outside, they are open, even though it looks like they are not. You have to throw it through there, kind of like Tom Brady. you got to throw them open. Yep. Uh, you've got to throw them open and, and, and throw that thing through the middle. Now, here's where the, the beauty of this thing comes in. Lots of times you're not going to be able to hit that initial – cut through the middle it's just not going to be there uh, you're not going to move fast enough the extra defender that they brought up bumps over and takes that initial cut away which it, to be honest with you is exactly what we hope they do all right yep. because when the ball is reversed inbounds uh, right there first <clears throat> very first pass inbounds uh we tell this guy it's a split second zero second decision making process you either throw the x you either throw it through the middle or you reverse it immediately. You don't hold it, all right? You don't, you don't sit there and think about it for five seconds. It's an immediate zero-second decision. You either throw it or you throw the opposite. So the inbounds person steps opposite, and we're going to throw. throw that reversal. Now, your X cut is up somewhere near half court now. All yep. right, see them up there? Yep. All right. So while this ball is now being reversed and in the air, the same rules apply. We call it you throw and you go. You throw and you go. So while that ball is literally in the process of being thrown, we've already started cutting this guard with the ball back through the middle. And that's where you're going to get them. That second yep. cut is the one that's open. Uh, because, again, you take the defender that was in the middle, they jump that initial cut. Now they we created a vacuum or a void through the middle of the floor. They don't have the extra defender down here because we've spaced them out so far. Uh, so when that second cut comes through the middle, uh, we can hit that second cut and we're gone. And we'll cut we'll cut one right off the next one's rear ends. When this one cuts, if we move the ball fast enough, the other one should come right off of it. And that's what makes there's your first cut that came through. There's the second one. And you can clearly see how it makes a big X in the middle of the floor, and that's why we call it the X cut press offense. Yep. And um, and they and it's it's all about how fast you can move the ball, uh, and make those cuts happen fast. If they hesitate, it won't work. And and I've had people that tried to, to mimic this and and get it from me and try to do it. And every single time when I'm watching them do it, they're like, it it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, it's not going to work because you're hesitating. You're way yep. too slow with your cuts. You're way too slow with your ball movement. You got to make those split second decisions, cutting and moving, cutting and moving, throw as you go. Uh, you got to go a hundred miles an hour through it, uh, and you will create space by your movement and the speed yep. of it. Um, so that essentially is what happens. Now, what happens in a situation where they've taken away whatever reason, somehow they've taken away both of your cuts, initial cuts. Well, we just keep reversing the basketball. So here was your initial cut. They pin up right there. There was your ball thrown in bounds. He reversed it to the takeout man. They cut through. The first cut, the, the first guard that cut through will now work their way back up the floor five or six feet and be an option for a reversal. And again, we do it with speed and precision. If the second cut goes through and it's not open, we're looking to hit that reversal. And then that guard, the inbounds man, goes through on a cut. And we just keep yep. working our way back, reversing the ball and cutting, reversing the ball and cutting, reversing the ball and cutting until we get the ball down the floor. That makes sense. And, and to be honest with you, uh, I talk to my guys about this sometimes. If it's just man press, 
and they aren't trapping, rotating. They're just trying to put pressure on the ball. And I've got good enough confidence in my guards. We're going to try to hit that first cut to throw it by three people immediately and see if we can get some quick action, some fast break action, maybe even a kick out three or a, or a three on two layup. But if that's not there and we're having to go through two and three cuts and it's just man press, we're going to tell everybody to get the heck out of the way and we're going to give it to our best ball handler. Let him just bring the ball up the floor and mano y mano. Yeah. And, and, you know, just kind of get them out of the way. But we will go through the initial first cut and sometimes even the second cut to make sure or determine that the defense is not trapping. They're just playing straight vanilla man to man defense trying to create tempo. And if that's the case, we're just going to we're going to bring the ball to the floor with one of our better ball handlers and, and not freak out about it and try to get into a set or something along that line. Right. Um, so before I get into any other nuances, uh, have you got any questions about kind of where we're at and what you've seen so far? No, I think that's pretty clear. Um, I'm glad you illustrated it because I tried to draw it out on my board at the house just based off of our uh, messages on Twitter back and forth. Right. And those back two players being in the deep corner is a much greater spacing than what I would have thought. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It kind of It's counterintuitive, but when you draw it out, it, it definitely works. Well, and that's the hard part that a lot of coaches have a hard time swallowing because they it, it's really almost like they can't they can't grasp the fact that these three people can operate in space and leave those other two people down the floor to create the space for yeah. your top three. They all need, immediately want to bring these back two people up. Now, I'm going to show you there are ways to do it and still create space. So okay. if you have a team that's zone pressing you and they are really, really long, all right, uh, really long, got really long arms, are really taller than your kids, uh, and, and you try the X cut a couple times and, you know, they're really able to stifle it. So you end up doing a lot of reversals and you're like, we're not really getting anywhere with this because we're not ever beating the press for a layup or something to make them get out of it. You can throw over the top and I'll show you how you do it. All right. So uh, traditionally you have to reverse it once at least, if not twice, but let's just start from that position. So we've gotten our initial cut from the backside guard, the ball has been thrown in bounds and the inbounded ball is now being reversed back to the takeout man. You yep. follow me? Yes, sir. Second guard cuts through if they aren't open because the defense is in a zone press and they've really got some length to them and they take away both of those two cuts. The, the ball's on this side of the floor, correct? On, on, and visually, so for my listeners, if the ball's on the left side of the floor, all right? Uh, then we can bring the left side back deep corner up to about the volleyball timeline, what would be the volleyball 10-foot line, and yep. we'll bring the backside 45-degree angle backside guy to the middle of the floor. And as this cut happens, if they take away that cut, we can now throw over the top to there or we can throw over the top to there. And I'm promising you, if they've taken the cuts away, they cannot take away those two deep balls. It's yep. humanly impossible. They don't have enough defenders on the floor. Uh, now, their length might make that happen. You might have a hard time throwing over the top of them because they're just so much longer than you. Uh, but as far as being open, it'll be open. Uh, but yep. a lot of it is predicated, again, on this happening fast. you got the reversal. This cut happens. That cut is like fishing with bait. Uh, you're, you're really trying to suck up that back defender to take away that cut. And when they – when that back defender slides up to take away that second X cut through the middle of the floor, then this back 45-degree angle coming into the middle of the floor is wide open. In yep. essence, we've created the X cut with a pass now versus people cutting through to make the X cut. Yep. Uh, but it's there. 
and it's there every time. And, and really, that's the one against zone presses. That's what we get most of the time is we will throw the reversal. The second X cut will go through, and then we talk about throwing the 45. Throw the 45 yep. across the floor uh, to that guy, to that player there, and it's, and it's wide open. And, and then they can go. And if it's somebody that you trust to make a play, they can go attack the rim. Uh, if nothing else, you haven't turned it over. You've beat their press, and you can get into a set now if that's what you choose to do. But you've, you've eliminated – and if they bring up that fourth defender right there to take away these cuts, you've now thrown it over the top of four players with one pass, and they've only got one defender back, and you should have at least two, if not three. So minimum, you should have a three-on-one fast break uh, by yeah. throwing that 45 over the top uh, on that second – after that second cut is taken away. How, is anything right there kind of confusing at all? No, that, that makes perfect sense. And actually, as you were going through it originally, I was thinking if you, you know, because a lot of what we see is a 2 2 1. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that would actually work perfect against a 2 2 1 to throw that, like you said, throw the 45 right there. Right. So, and, and I will tell you sometimes against a 2 2 1, I'll show you an example of an option that we can throw in sometimes that will kill a 2 2 1. Uh, and um, really, it, it's hurt us over the years when we've tried to press two, two, one. But before we get there, let me back all the way up to the very beginning and talk about this. So I said initially that we were assuming that they were playing a traditional style press where they are inside hip pocket playing behind you, almost forcing you into a corner, not necessarily letting you have it, but making the pass inbounds difficult. But nonetheless, you have space between the two passers the passer and the, and the offensive player they're trying to get it to. Well, what happens when they don't want you to get the ball in bounds anymore and they start fronting you, full front? I'll be honest with you. I pray to God they do this to us every night because it is the <laughs> easiest one. And, and now there's some ways they can combat it, but I will tell you it's the easiest one in the history of mankind. As soon as we see full front, the X cuts are off. Our kids know it. It's an instinctive reaction. They run them, they both push their defender all the way down to the baseline as hard as they can. They stick a forearm in the defender's chest. They put the hand up like it's a post-up situation. Whoever's taking the ball out throws a lob over the top, and they take off down the floor, and there's nothing the defense can do to stop it. Immediately, anytime they get fronted, they automatically know to push their defender down to the baseline, stick a hand up, we're throwing over the top of your defender, and you're gone. Oh, right there, they're, they're gone. And now, yeah, that's easy button. Bring up this third defender. Uh, but if both of my two guards do it, that third defender can't take away both of them. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, so then they get to the point where they can't front us, all right? And we X cut you to death when you play behind us. So you're yeah. almost at that point where, like, what are we, what other than creating tempo, what are we getting out of this? We're not turning them over. Uh, they're getting layups or wide open threes. So we don't get pressed a ton. Uh, we yes. get more nowadays because we do this, we get way more half court traps. Yeah. We get way more uh, three quarter court, not even three quarter court, maybe just upside the jump circle, little uh, one, two, two, you know, kind of pushed up half court traps and one, three ones and things. But we very rarely get all the way up on the ball stuff. If yeah. we do, it's traditionally just a vanilla man just trying to create tempo and seeing if their good athlete can out-athlete my basketball player. I'm not blessed with great athletes here at Inca High School. I'm blessed with intelligent basketball players, but not great athletes. 
So sometimes the teams we play will say, well, heck, I'm going to take my great athletes and I'm going to stick them up there on your really intelligent basketball player. I'm going to bend him over backwards and I'm going to hope that eventually the pressure wears them down. And sometimes it does, uh, but it's not because of our X cuts. Our X cuts usually neutralizes a lot of that athleticism because in two and a half seconds, we've zipped it by three of your defenders and we're going down on the other end on a fast break. Yep. I've, I've seen many a team crack and fold and get dis, dis, just dismantled. And as you were, you were told by, you know, a friend of ours, mutual friend, that's where this phone conversation started uh, with us that, you know, he, he had sort of his doubts at first, uh, but then he got out of the way and just said, Hey, run with it. Just roll with it. Cause we put it in at the elite travel ball level. Uh, I've been doing it for years here with my boys. We put it into elite level travel ball with, uh, with girls basketball. And if any of you coaches out there know at the elite travel ball level, uh, you guys know that they press, everybody presses, everybody traps. Uh, so if you don't have a good press offense, they're going to eat you alive. Uh, so, you know, we took down lots of high-powered, physically more mature athletic teams than us over the years when I coached for the Kentucky Premier running this press offense uh, and taking those situations out of their hands. We neutralized that athletic ability, uh, and we would go shoot layups on the other end. And, and therefore, press has never really hurt us at that level. So, I've taken this same press offense because it's so simple, and I put it in play with my daughter's AAU team when she was in the second and third grade before we got to the Kentucky premiere, uh, you know, because it seems like in travel ball, everybody wants to press. Uh, yep. And, you know, so we, you just, it's just a, neut- a way to neutralize the press. Um, you had mentioned before, like, uh, you know, about bringing other people up. There are times when, when late clock situations or just their, their, their athleticism is actually starting to wear us down some. We're having a hard time getting the ball inbounds. And I will bring up uh, a third offensive player. I'll still try to keep at least one back. And that's usually my biggest post player to, to give it, to stretch the defense as much as I can. Uh, but we can sometimes, and we'll do it kind of like this. We'll set up in a triangle pattern uh, with the third offensive player at the free throw line and the other two guards that I want to get it into initially that have been there all along, I'll set them back at, say, the volleyball line, and then I'll just let them come off of this person who's stationed at the free throw line like a screener, and they'll X cut off of them. And as soon as they X cut off of them and the ball is thrown inbounds to one of them, the, the offensive player who was at the nail who set the screens for them will just sprint right down the middle of the floor and will create a vacuum. He'll take – any defender that was in the middle floor with them because they'll trot, they'll follow him. Uh, if yep. not, we're going to throw it to them and they're going to lay it and it's going to be a daggone three on one. Uh, so we create the same situation, even though we brought the third defender up. Uh, yep. And then once that guy's cleared through the middle, if we haven't been able to throw it to him, we've got the same scenario we had. We've cleared out the middle of the floor and we've got the ball inbounds and we get our X cut and a reversal and an X cut behind it. So the same yep. situation ends up happening again. We've just brought the third defender up uh, to take care of that situation. Any questions so, really, so far? No, actually, that's really good because mm-hmm. I think it keeps things compact enough that girls aren't going to have an issue throwing a cross-court pass because they're not as strong as some of the boys Correct. are. Correct. And really, your teaching points can kind of remain solid throughout. Yep. Um, as You know, you throw and go, and you don't throw really have go. to change that even if you just um, change the position of your offensive players to start the offense. So. And, and I will tell you that even though my guys have done it their entire life, because we have most of our guys play in our local controlled AAU program from the second, third grade on all the way up. Our, one of my former assistants coaches our middle school. 
Uh, so he runs the same exact press offense. So they come up through our system and they don't know anything but this. Yeah. And, and I still, when I teach it every year and go over it every year, we have to stop and go throw and go quit standing and watching. You can't, it's so human nature. You're so built into throw it and watch where it goes. Yep. And, and when you do that, you're helping the defense out. Uh, and what my guys are bad to do is they'll throw it and then like hop twice and then cut hop, 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 cut. And I said, you can't hop, 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 cut. You've got to throw. And as it's leaving your fingertips, you've already taken your first step on your X cut. Uh, Cause that defender is going to turn their head. They're going to jump to the ball. They're going to do yeah. something for a split second to give you that opportunity to cut. Uh, you just have to be able to take advantage of it. Um, we got pressed the other night against a team that's, I won't say 10 times more athletic than we are. They were the number one team in our league, uh, and they pressed us all night long. We zipped it, never turned it over. We looked good. We shot layups. We were competitive. We got a 10, 12-point lead in the second half. Then the pressure cooker got into there. I got sophomore guards, as I told you prior to us coming on board. You know, I got young teams, sophomore guards, and the pressure of the moment. We're playing the number one team in our league. You know, and we're a bunch of young kids. The pressure got to them, so the mono mono factor turned the ball over a couple of times. Not their trapping, not their yeah. press per se, other than just the pressure of the moment. And then we relaxed, and we rem I, I called a couple timeouts, said, "Relax, just throw your X cuts, do what you've been taught to do." And next thing you know, we zip those X cuts. Even if we didn't throw it, we just had to reverse it and work our way down the floor. It was like a pressure release. All of a sudden, they've gotten the ball over half court, and they didn't turn the ball over. And it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. It was that easy. Yeah, it's that easy. You, you don't have to – what are they trying to do? They're trying to speed you up. They're trying to turn you over. If they can't do either one of those two things, then mission accomplished. I, I know that there's that thought of if we break the press to break it, we have to go shoot a layup. And that is right. I would say, yes, go shoot a layup. But ultimately, hell, I just don't want to turn the ball over. I don't want to give the other team – I don't want to give the defense a layup. So, if I can get the yep. ball over half court without turning it over and be able to generate some level of an offense, I feel like I've won, even if I don't get an immediate quick layup out of it. Uh, yep. And that's why I say I don't. not many teams press us full court, go get it anymore. We very rarely ever see anything up on the ball where they yep. rotate and trap because, you know, unless we turn it over being stupid, uh, you know, and it wasn't the press offense that caused it. It was a stupid decision that caused it. Uh, you know, we can zip a – you go up on the ball, we're going to throw the reversal ASAP on that X cut, and and, and you go. Yep. Uh, you had mentioned no, the 2-2-1. Two, two, Let me show you a little little wrinkle we sort of threw in. And, and, again, it creates the same actions. It creates the same philosophy, but it really puts a hurting on the 2-2-1. Two, two, so, yeah. Uh, a little bit different in that when we catch the ball, wherever we catch it, we tell them to drive it. First, yep. so we we do our normal stack alignment. However, we want to do that. They come open, he pins. Same thing. That doesn't change. Let's say we've thrown the ball inbounds there. The inbounds man, instead of now becoming a reversal, they are going to sprint right down the gut as hard and as fast as they can go. And they're trying to go so fast that they beat this backside defender through the, the cut to the middle. Yep. And what we do is we tell the guy who got the ball in bounds, dribble hard up the sideline, two dribbles, look for this cut. And when they kind of cut you off on the sideline, you should be able to hit that cut right back through the middle and you're gone. Zoom. Yep. Uh, now, what we like to do, in all honesty, this is when you really zip it. And this is why I say it gives us 
gave us trouble in a 2-2-1, and every time I've ever seen it, uh, it gives a 2-2-1 trouble, is immediately on the pass inbounds, the inbounder takes off sprinting down through the middle, and we literally throw it right back to him. Inbounds, yeah. throw it right back to him, and in that person busts it hard right down the middle. Well, the defense has a choice. They either let the ball handler go right down the middle of the floor, or what are they going to do? They're going to pinch and try to keep it out of the middle, and our two guards that were coming down, they're going to run up the sideline with it just slightly behind it. And the moment they pinch with two defenders in the middle, we kick it up the sideline right there, and there's nobody left, and we just take off and keep going. Yep. And, and uh, it's the same we, – we created the same atmosphere uh, against that 2-2-1 by just simply taking the out-of-bounds man and sprinting them right down the middle of the floor. Now, we have to do this every year, uh, especially with my young kids. If you sprint down the middle of the floor and you don't initially get the pass back to you, and you you were gone. That's not free license to keep on running and run to the other end of the floor. The same theory holds true. Find your void in the zone and sit down in it. Yeah. You have essentially become the X cut that went through. You're trying to f- f- find that void, that hole in the zone where they've got to find you. Yep. Uh, and then when we busted up the sideline, if they sat in a hole right there, which is typically where it's going to be, right past that first level of defenders, it's going to be right behind them. When we bust up that sideline and that second level of defender rotates up the trap, we can hit the guy or the gal in the that's found the void right there in the middle. But in yep. a, it kills me because every year that person will cut and they'll go. And they'll just keep right on going and they'll take themselves out of the play. They'll be on the other end of the floor. And I'm going, wait a minute, knucklehead, we got to reverse the ball to somebody. Find, <laughs> yeah. find the void and sit down. Uh, yep. So uh, that's our press offense in a nutshell. Uh, you know, the the up, up when they face guard us, we turn and shove them down. That's our biggest uh, adjustment that we make. Uh, we'll also bring that third defender up and make the triangle uh, that we talked about. And then outside of that, any other situation we come up with is literally always last second shot opportunities, last second clock. Again, as I said before, where we are, you know, up two with seven seconds and the other team just scored and called timeout and they're setting their press. We've got some stuff that we call line uh, that we'll bring all four of them up. But traditionally when we're doing that, we understand all we're trying to do is get the flipping ball in bounds because they're probably going to foul you. Yeah, uh, It's not about getting it to the other end for shooting a layup or floor spacing or getting into an offense. It's about – all we have to do is get the ball in bounds without turning it over. They're going to foul you. Uh, so then we don't mind to bring all four defense, offensive players up. We're trying to be creative about how we get the ball in. Uh, traditionally, in our line sequence, we'll run somebody long, uh, and you'd be shocked at how, much, how many times that's open. Uh, and it's ridiculous how, how many times that's open. Uh, and yep. it shouldn't be because you would think that would be the first thing they would talk about taking away was that but we'll run somebody long, and then we'll just screen like heck and get the ball in bounds to our best – free throw shooter, and then, like I said, they're going to come foul you, so you go shoot free throws. That's that's kind of a different scenario than maybe yep. than maybe the normal traditional press offense where you're trying to get down the floor and not turn the ball over. Yep. Well, it's funny. I run that same four-cross play, and I actually call it four-cross. Right. Um, well, at least that same formation. I'm willing to mm-hmm. bet we're essentially doing the same thing, but I run somebody deep, yep. and I usually get a, a softball player that yeah. inbounds the ball, and she, yep. she can toss the ball down the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. We, we won a game last year, uh, same scenario. Uh, we were uh, down one with about five, six seconds on the clock, and I actually told my person taking the ball out of bounds, and I said, unless 
when the when we send this person along, unless their person, their defender has a that going heart attack and falls down dead right there in the middle of the floor, don't throw it long because we're not going to be able to get what we want out of that. We're trying to we're we're looping somebody off a double stagger coming behind that deep throw, uh, and that's what we wanted to get. Well, lo and behold, the guy out of bounds, like you said, was a baseball player and turned and chucked it long. We caught it. I don't know how, and the one that I had looping through was trailing the play, and when they caught the long ball, they almost fell out of bounds. They turned and flipped it to the guy that was looping through. He caught it, and in one stride, hit a three at the buzzer. So I was like, <laughs> boy, y'all got lucky. <laughs> y'all got <laughs> real lucky. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, that's – I mean, that's kind of it. And and for my listeners out there, I know you didn't get the, uh, the luxury of being able to see me drawing some of the stuff on the board. Uh, I will be happy it, for any of you that would be interested to contact me uh, you know, you can DM me on my Twitter account or you can uh, just email me at, you know, my normal email address, which isn't hard to find um, at my school uh, or call me. Most of you can probably find my number somewhere. <laughs> call me and I'll be happy to uh, to walk you through it the same as I did Coach Smith. But I felt like this was a good opportunity for us to do a, a different type of an episode. Typically, I'm the one asking questions and sitting back and and Coach Smith had, had contacted me about what we did on this press offense. Uh, so, Coach, I hope I answered your questions today. Um, very much did. I really appreciate the time. Hey, no problem, brother. And, and any time uh, that you have trouble with it or, or anything like that, you have any other questions that come up, feel free to always reach out to me. Uh, I've, you know, in 15, 18 years of running this press offense, I, I've seen it all. I've seen about everything anybody can try to do to stop it. Uh, and, you know, there's always an answer for that, for whatever solution or problem they've come up with. Uh, but I will generally tell you the number one thing that it always comes back to is throw and go. You cannot yep. – if you'll notice that almost all of your problems start when your offensive players hesitate on their cuts uh, yep. or they take forever to make the initial read to throw it back quickly. You give the defense too much time uh, to make up the distance. Uh, so – and I'm telling you, I know too many coaches that they get scared to death to send those two players to them deep corners and they start sucking them up. And the closer you suck them up the half court, the more you take away the spacing that the X cuts would have uh, and you allow those back defenders to jump your cuts, uh, yep. and essentially they'll blind. You'll, you'll throw it blindly, and those people will jump those X cuts. Uh, so uh, that's why I say, you know, the second time you go on a reversal and X cut, then you can start looking at throwing over the top because maybe by then you have sucked up some of those back defenders to help stop your X cuts. But yep. other than that, it's like I said, we've we've been very pleasantly – surprised at the results over the years where we haven't always been the most athletic team in the world. Uh, and it's like, you know, when it works, you go, oh, my God, I didn't realize it was going to be that fast and that easy. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and you're all of a sudden, you're by three defenders and you got a three on two on the other end, lightning quick. Uh, yeah. but, it's, uh, but it's a good situation. Well, I really appreciate it, Coach. I enjoy the uh, podcast, and I appreciate you actually answering my my DM there and <laughs> taking the time to, to draw this up for me, man. So. No, no problem, brother. Like I said, I'm always out there to help. That's the whole reason behind the podcast is just reaching out and offering whatever I can. I'm not certainly saying that I'm any guru by no stretch of imagination. To be honest with you, it's being a little selfish. Heck, I'm trying to pick the brain of other people who are heck of a lot smarter than me uh, and then putting it out there for other people to learn just as like I'm learning. So, Hopefully, not only just you, but other coaches, maybe this is something that they're looking for and, uh, you know, something they might be interested in, too. I, I would I would recommend it, I can tell you, because it is a neutralizer of athleticism. So, Which we'll take all that we can get. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time today. Like I said, anytime you have any questions about this or anything else, feel free to reach out. I enjoyed it. All right, will do. Thank you very much, Coach. All right, thank you, buddy. Talk to you later. All right.
All right, bye. We thank you again for listening to the Elevation Basketball Podcast. Give us a shout-out on social media, and we look forward to having you back again for another episode of the Elevation Basketball Podcast.